The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare Alley, the spooky little detour podcast in the Nightmare on Film Street feed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today with writer-director Christopher Landon to talk about his new body swapping slasher, Freaky. But before we get into that, some fun little announcements. The Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club, our exclusive space with bonus content, extra stuff, rewards, and perks, has changed. We now have a brand new clubhouse over at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. We are moving away from Patreon, and we are doing something that's super fun, super streamlined, simplified, with all of the same rewards and fun events that you know and love. If you want to support the show, head to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. If you are already a Patreon supporter and you want to know what this means for you, head to patreon.com slash nightmare on film street to the post section. We've got the full download there on what the future of the fiend club is going to look like. We've already got some fun stuff planned. We have a, we're doing a watch party the end of the month with a monster mash-tastic horror film for us to stream, scream, chat, live stream. It's going to be great. And we are also doing a little giveaway, something super exciting for Krampus time. I know, Christmas is coming, it's November, blah, blah, blah. But we got Krampus shirts. We got Krampus sweaters new to the store. They're super cool. And we're going to give some away to two lucky fiends who joined the club before December 25th. So all you got to do is head to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub and you might win a Krampus sweater. We're picking our first winner December 1st and another one on December 25th. If you want to get a sweater in time for Christmas, head over to nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub and sign up now. But... Even if you don't make the December 1st cutoff, there is still an opportunity for you to win a sweater on Christmas Day. And if you just want to see what our cool horror slash Krampus sweaters look like, you want to buy one, you don't want to join the fan club, head to store.nofspodcast.com. They are only going to be available for a limited time. Before we head into the interview portion of this episode, I just want to let you know that we recorded this mid-October, a week or two before Halloween, so... There is still a lot of Halloween talk in it. We're I, allowed to have spirit, John. I don't think that's necessarily anything you're going to be upset to hear about, but uh, just, just to put it in a place in time, because there, we do talk about Halloween decorations and costumes quite a bit. Freaky is in theaters Friday the 13th, this November, tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day <laughs> it comes out. But here's the trailer for Freaky. Freaky. Um. 
Good morning. Good morning. That's me, Millie. Ordinary, boring Millie. I love your dress. I think I saw it at Discount Bonanza. <laughs> okay, so I was never the most popular. Homecoming's this weekend. Booker is gonna be at the dance. And boys never really noticed me. Honestly, if this was a horror movie, I'd be one of the first ones to get killed. Cue the creepy dude in the mask. Like I said. <laughs> but actually, it turns out... Where am I? I didn't get killed. Oh my god, why do I sound like that? I woke up in the killer's body. <laughs> The Blissfield Butcher strikes again. Don't freak out. Ah! You're black. I'm gay. We are so dead. Ow! Will you stop? It's me. It's Millie. Hill, Hill, Blissfield. I feel our glory and our might. Oh, my God! And not only is that psycho wearing my body, he's killing it. He's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Who knows how many of our friends he's gonna kill? Are you sure this is safe? No. Oh my god, it's a slaughterhouse. I have like less than six hours to swap back or I'm gonna be stuck in his body forever. Hurry up, loser, I gotta take a dump. I have to admit, it hasn't been all bad. I'm sorry, sir, I didn't mean to interrupt. I... Move! How's that feel? I'll make you wish your stupid face was never born. Oh my god, did you just pee yourself? Yeah! Whoa, what am I wearing? I'm actually really liking this for you. Ah! Oh my god, it's supposed to be a butcher! Oh, Great. We're gonna get killed by Murder Barbie. I can't wait to kill you. Time to stop this asshole. We're in this together. Come and get it. Look, I know I look like the butcher, but it's Millie. He's crazy. Okay, Booker, can you look at me, please? Booker! Try a bitch. Booker, help! Booker! Will you shut up? <laughs> Booker! So, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today on the podcast. We're really excited to talk to you about Freaky. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, no, this this movie is is a hell of a lot of fun. And um sorry, I gotta look at my note one more time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even read my own handwriting from a few feet away. It's my own fault. All right. This is what happens to all of us. So uh Freaky is is a hell of a lot of fun, and you know, it's definitely made with a younger horror fan in mind. I was I was real curious what your favorite horror movies were when you were 17. I think you have to go back when I was even younger. <laughs> I started watching them when I was six. Um I mean I was, you know, I loved I loved all the classics, you know, and that's what I was raised on. So, I mean, pretty much everything Carpenter, um, you know, Raimi, loved Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, but also like kind of, I mean, and then there's the more kind of horror comedy stuff, like, you know, um, Gremlins. I remember seeing Gremlins in the theater when I was a kid and like lost my mind, but also like weird stuff that was less uh, popular, um, you know, like Microwave Massacre and I Just Remember Mama and... <laughs> Like I was obsessed with tourist trap. Um, I think I still am. Um, so yeah, there's a great one. 
like even like weird, like, you know, one of the scariest ones I remember as a kid that I was obsessed with was Alice Sweet Alice, which I think had like nine different titles, but um, that movie just scared the crap out of me. Uh, so yeah, just pretty much everything horror. We actually just watched Alice Sweet Alice for the first time and uh, I didn't really know anything about it. And the whole time I was just like, I don't understand. Is she evil? Is she not evil? I don't. <laughs> but it's scary. It's still scary. It's that mask and the fucking raincoat and like the music, all of it. And just the, 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 the religious overtones, the Catholic overtones of the movie and all of it just really always got under my skin. And they burn Brooke Shields alive. <laughs> In the church, which is like supposed to be the safest place ever. Right. I mean, I what? Uh, yeah. Good stuff. I think it's I think it's why I like Halloween movies because kids aren't safe. Like it's not it's not like I need kids to die in order for me to enjoy a horror movie, but like I like it when no one is safe. Yeah, no, it's true. And I'm always like, kill the dog. You can do that. Friday the 13th, I forget which Friday the Thirteenth they did it in, but it was, I feel like it was like four or one of them. But anyways, yeah, I remember when I was working on the Paranormal franchise. Um, we had like some studio, I don't even know who this person was at the studio, but they came in and they were like, so you can't kill a dog, but you can kill a cat. <laughs> and you can't kill a dog, but you can kind of kill a baby. Like, <laughs> fucked up hierarchy. But all I remember the takeaway from it was you are allowed to kill babies, but not dogs in movies. Otherwise, the you know, or the audience will hate you for it. So it was like, it was really <laughs> for me to sort of try and process that. So confirmed that dogs are higher on the cuteness scale. Than babies. <laughs> dogs are the pinnacle. They're the tippy top of it. Because I remember it was paranormal too. We were gonna, we were gonna, I was gonna kill the family dog. And and this they freaked out. They're like, you can't do that. So I like, I hurt the dog. <laughs> <laughs> but the dog yeah. lived. Yeah, you can so you can literally show dog. the dog being like practically murdered, but as long as he yeah, strolls right. in the last scene, you're like, oh the dog. <laughs> he is back. <laughs> Yeah, I had to see the dog again. Like people were horrors will tank if we kill the dog. So that's so great. Like a horror movie about a serial killer who only kills dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just bad that is. Freaky too in a dog. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I mean, like it definitely sounds like you're more geared towards some of the gorier, darker stuff. And like this movie is surprisingly gory. Uh, like, was the goal always to make an R-rated movie for like the high school horror crowd? Oh yeah. I was like, Michael and I, the other writer, we, that was like the first conversation we had was that we were not going to make a bloodless slasher movie and that we, we hated most of the ones that have come forward. And it's ironic coming from the guy who did happy death day, but, um, but I, uh, but I honestly felt like the happy death day movies did not need gore to be successful, like as a, as a movie. But also like it was a callback because I feel like in the 80s and even into the 90s, like we had tons of gory high school set movies. And it just suddenly became a thing when like they were like, we don't want to sell R-rated high school movies anymore. And we were lucky enough to have the support of Blumhouse and, and Universal. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like the movies are not terribly expensive to make. So they're not as nervous about, you know, going for the R rating. But yeah, I was so thrilled to be able to go go gory and go like really gory um, <laughs> because I because like, I feel like the concept benefits from it you know I think that the idea of a shy 
teenage girl in high school becoming a serial killer. Like you want to see her do brutal things. And it's also an interesting movie because it's also kind of a revenge fantasy, you know, because all the people that she's sort of drawn to are the, are the ones that were sort of Millie's abusers. So they kind of naturally come together. And then of course, these are people that deserve their comeuppance. So we thought, you know, it should be gory. Yeah, the bullies definitely get it in this movie. Oh boy, do they! Oh yeah, <laughs> especially, especially that. Uh, well, there's there's one particular kill that's great. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it, but I'm sure it's what everybody's gonna be talking about on Twitter. So, <laughs> and I mean, on top of that, you've also okay. hidden in like homages and callbacks to uh, to you know a bunch of classic horror movies. That had to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. I always try to kind of drop those in, just because. I mean, most of the stuff that I do, you know, there's there's some element of homage. Um, you know, they're always love letters to grew up watching and, and the stuff that I love. Um, and so it's always great to be able to kind of tuck that stuff in there and have a few little Easter eggs. And Michael um, is, a, is a horror movie, not like I am. And so, of course, you know, there's like names of characters that are, you know, sort of callbacks to other movies, especially Halloween. You're, Michael, Michael will always try to find a way to sneak in like a Halloween reference or a Scream reference. Like those are the two movies that he's like obsessed with, especially Scream. Right on. And so where, where did the inspiration for the, the Blissfield Butcher come from mostly? So, you know, what we wanted him to be was this sort of, that he would be like an amalgamation of like the classic killers. So we wanted him to be part Michael Myers, part Jason Voorhees, part Freddie, because that was sort of, again, the sort of the joke is that he's a, he's a mindless robotic killing machine. And it wasn't about crafting some sort of long, crazy backstory because there was never going to be time in the film to even manage that. It, he just had to be a he just had to be a killer from from an iconic movie, you know. Like that was sort of the the driver for it, and a big part of that was also like sort of figuring out the mask and you know just making sure that he kind of felt like that guy to people. Because then when he gets into the other body and he realizes that he's, you know, a wolf in sheep's clothing and that he can just pick people off without anyone even blinking, um, it makes it all the more fun that he's just, all he wants to do is kill. And Vince Vaughn is so great too, because he's, he switches so seamlessly from that, like Jason Voorhees, stoic, big menace yeah. to Millie. And he really embodies Millie. Yeah. I mean, that was, the, that was why I wanted him so badly for the movie and he was my first choice because there are very few actors out there that I think can convincingly be menacing and and he's so physically intimidating he's 6'4 and and he's been a badass in in a bunch of films lately um but then he's also just a really funny guy and and then ultimately he's a really good actor and so i knew that he wasn't just going to like mail in some sort of caricature of a teenage girl like i knew he'd go for it and that's what we needed. And so I think that's the sort of magic hat trick of the movie that you always for a body swap film, which is at a certain point, the audience starts to forget that you're looking at Vince Vaughn and you start to just sort of buy into this idea that like, oh, he's Millie. Yeah, um, like when, when Vince is hanging out with Millie's friends, like you forget you're watching Vince. You, you feel like you're yeah. watching the gang and they just have to figure out the killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, that's, you know, and, and that was a big part of the movie too, was this sort of like this friendship, this little sort of these three friends. Um, the movie deals with a lot of different topics. Um, but I think, you know, Michael and I were very passionate about 
making sure that these friends felt like real friends and that you kind of fell in love with all three of them, you know, and that you were rooting for all of them. And so um, I'm really proud of that aspect of the film and also the actors. I think that that Celeste and Misha are amazing in the film um, along with Catherine. So um, I got very lucky with, with the cast. I really feel that. Walkers, cyberpunks, gangsters, and so much more. Meet face-to-face with all kinds of monsters on AMC+. From The Walking Dead's Whisperer War to the world-saving quests of The Watch and the brutal brawls of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Brace yourself for an all-new season of Creepshow and films like Train to Busan presents Peninsula, part of Shudder's Halfway to Halloween Month. Plus, catch brand new episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, Available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com. Yeah, the movie's movie's full of incredible performances. And the other thing, too, I, I can't help but think about is how hard it must be to write dialogue uh, for people that are younger than you. Like, what do you have any tricks for getting that done? <laughs> Fuck you. What is the oh. nicest way to ask this question? <laughs> Fuck you, Dick. This is over. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know it's it's it gets harder every year. Let me tell you, um, I haven't fully. I mean, I think I like to think that I'm young at heart, um, and I have I have used my like lifeline to call like my nieces and nephews and be like, um, <laughs> does this sound like an ancient person wrote this? Um, so like I will run things past them sometimes, and I I thankfully I have a well he's too young now, but I have, I have two two kids of my own, but they're both too young to really help me right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it's I I honestly I must suffer from a case of arrested development because I really enjoy writing teen centric movies, and and I think a lot of the horrors of high school are still fresh. And I think anybody that has a tough time in high school carries that with them their whole life. And, and it's either something that kind of beats you down um, or it's something that empowers you. Um, and I think I was fortunate enough to sort of feel empowered by the shitty things that I suffered in high school. <laughs> um, and a lot of that plays out in this movie, you know, and, and that was evident, I think, for, for everybody. And, and certainly, you know, Michael and I shared similar experiences being closeted gay kids in high school you know like you have a giant fucking target on your back um and we both went through that and so i think a lot of what you see in this movie is us kind of working through some of that it's like good therapy it's crazy it's like therapy that you get paid for (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to pay someone else um so that side of it's awesome i was gonna Uh, say like given that it's kind of a revenge film for millie does that mean that it's also kind of a revenge film for you guys (laughs) oh oh, yeah are you kidding me like we had to be really careful about it too, because we were like, well, let's just name the characters <laughs> that we hated in high school and then we'll kill them. <laughs> and I was like, no, we'll get caught. It'll be awkward. Um, but yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, you know, Michael and I talked about like when I was, what I, what got me through high school, you know, were the, the very, very close friendships that I had with two or three people and we did eat our lunch like in a place that nobody else did you know like we weren't in the cafeteria or on the lawn where all the were like we ate our lunch in a hall you know by ourselves and these kids eat their lunch you know in an empty theater um, on campus and so there were so many personal details that went into the movie um, and, you know one of my best friends and I 
she and I would would draw cartoons in class instead of learning. Um, <laughs> and and they were always about me murdering my bullies <laughs> in really cartoonish ways. And so it's really funny to me that now, like I've made this movie that really kind of brings that experience to life. So yeah, there's just a long red connecting me to my my youth. Did you have a really evil carpentry teacher? You know, it's funny. I didn't have any, I didn't have a super shitty teacher. I think Michael did. Um, but I had, I had like a gaggle of like, there were three guys that made it their, their life's work to torture me in high school. They had nothing better to do. That sucks, man. So, I mean, with that in mind, do you have a favorite kill in the movie? <laughs> ah, so this is slightly spoilery territory. Um, I, I do. Um, but it's not, they're not for the reasons I think that are obvious. Um, I think part of them are sort of like, there's one kill in the movie, which I, it's not, I'm not spoiling anything because it's in the trailer and it's, it's by no means the best kill in the film, but it was so on the fly. Um, there's, there's a character in the film, her name's Ryler and she's sort of like the bitchy girl and everybody has seen her in the trailer. Um, and she's sort of like that pretend nice girl, but she's always trying to find ways to undercut you. And Michael and I struggled with how to kill her. For the longest time and well into well into pre-production and i was getting close to like starting to shoot the movie and i was like fuck i don't like we had written something where she like gets impaled on like a flag or something like a like a little like you know <laughs> and then we'd even talked about like could we beat her to death with golf cleats and like there's so <laughs> like none of it actually made sense and then when i was when i was location scouting on the movie um and we we were at this high school that was like, it was a public high school, but it was so fancy. It had like a spin class and like, I was like, what? <laughs> um, and so we were walking through the athletics department and they had such nice facilities. And I was like, oh, of course they have a cryo chamber. Like, you know, because that's what, that's what high school athletes need. <laughs> and that's when I was struck by the idea. And so I wrote it knowing that everybody was gonna tell me no because we were already having budget problems. Um, and so I've made it a terrible habit to like hide things now from, <laughs> from the people that have money um, because I realize that like there are things I will have to do in post. And if I shoot something, we've got to finish it. Right. So, so I came up with this, this cryo chamber kill, which just made me laugh because, you know, this character is an awful person and she, you know, dies fittingly um, because she's, she has a cold heart. Um, and she dies, you know, with her cell phone stuck to the side of her face. And so I thought <laughs> funny because she uses her cell phone as a weapon. So yeah, it was, that was, I was, I was proud of that because we pulled it off. So last minute and, and hats off to like our production designers and the crew for like having to cobble shit together at the last second to just shoot it. Right. And that's also something that's... spoiler kill that <laughs> it's still a satisfying answer for me. It's a good one. And that that's also something that's very true to the traditional slashers and that they use their environments for these kills and Freaky does the exact same thing whereas like the the set piece also becomes like part of the kill sequence which yeah. is really awesome. Yeah. I mean you kind of have to like in order to really pull off I think some sort of interesting unique kills you've got to go to the source of like where are we and so that's that's kind of always where i start and i i just love i don't know why it's so perverse but i just love coming up with weird ways to to kill people and like 
it happens to me all the time. Like, well, I'll be walking around and I'll see something be like, oh, that is so funny. <laughs> um, and then I'll tell my husband and he'll just slowly look at me and be like, why did I marry you? You're sick. Just get out my kill notebook. <laughs> I have it. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah, who knew being a workaholic just meant coming up with creative ways for people to die? <laughs> yeah. But again, it's I do think it's cathartic. I think there's a real catharsis to horror in general. And I think that's why so many of us are drawn to the genre is that like for a lot of people who kind of have grown up with fears and anxiety, it's always been a safe space, you know, to, to put that stuff. So that's why I think I always kind of tell people like, I think horror saved my life. Um, I think it really was something that helped me grow up. Um, and it certainly is something that inspired me. So I've been so grateful to the genre um, because it really has been a lifesaver. That's awesome. Yeah, the outcast story like resonates with the horror crowd so perfectly because in a way we are all in our own way outcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was always like that the the if I wasn't if I wasn't the faggot at school, I was the creepy kid because, you know, like I still was like in black with my like long black hair. I wish I had my photo I could pop up for you right now. You <laughs> I had that face too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just funny. So, I mean, you've you've also established a pattern of of turning tropes on their head with, you know, uh, time loops and body swapping. Is that something that you're going to continue to try and work in uh, going forward in the future? I mean, a little bit, a little bit. I think, I mean, the next movie that I'm trying to make, knock on wood, um, does a little bit of that, albeit in a very, in a pretty different space than it's not a horror film. Ooh. I know. <laughs> but, but it still plays with some horror tropes but it just in it's just it's it's a very different kind of of movie but it's very my energy i think in the spirit of what i really like to do which is it, there is still a certain kind of mashup-y element to it and i think that's it is something that i'm really drawn to and i have been i mean even with going back to i didn't direct it but with disturbia you know like that was a movie where i just really was passionate about finding a way to blend hitchcock with john hughes and and so every movie I, I feel like I write and make is some kind of a love letter to the movies that I grew up watching. It's, it's great to know that like Blumhouse Universal have this go to guy to make super fun movies because your, your movies are a blast, man. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And just uh, just last question before we go. Um, if you could program one night of the drive in, what would you play? What's your dream drive in double feature? Oh, see, this is really I was like in the back of my head going, oh, I'll be ready for this question. And now I'm like. <laughs> um i I don't know why because it's not really my dream combination right now but i'm just gonna blurt something out i for some reason i've been dying to watch because we brought it up earlier i've been dying to watch gremlins and death becomes her for some reason like oh buddy so so i i i might do that um but but god yeah i mean it's 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 so tough because there's so many movies that I love I could just I would do like an endless marathon if I could and by the way it's the other thing of like being coming a parent it's such a been a, such a, a slight bummer even though I love being a dad it's that I just I'm really tired of watching all my friends on social media like do horror movie marathons <laughs> this month and I'm like I can't watch anything <laughs> I'm so tired <laughs> you're stuck on Peppa Pig <laughs> A lot of, although my son, my three-year-old, who's, who's my oldest, um, he loves scary-ish things already. Like he, his best friend's like a 
six foot tall skeleton that he like, <laughs> came up with. Um, his favorite movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. So, um, you know, I'm raising him right. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, is there is there a particular horror movie you are so looking forward to showing him, whether it's like 14 I, or eight, you know? No, I mean, I think I'm going to be very strategic about it because, you know, there's another parent involved who has a say in it, I guess. <laughs> uh, and so I'm definitely going to start with some gateway horror, you know, so there will be to keep bringing it up. There will be gremlins. I think like the lady in white is like a really good ghost story to kind of ease him into that, that subgenre. Yeah. I've just got to kind of look like tremors. Like that'll be another one. That'll be super fun to show him. Um, monster squad. I'll just keep going. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be like, you know, just, just ease him into it versus like the crash course that I had, you know, because even though I grew up loving horror, like those first two or three years of my my childhood like were spent I, I i slept with the covers over my head with like an air tiny air hole <laughs> <laughs> because i was terrified i was terrified to sleep but it there was definitely it. an era where we all kind of were just watching exorcist at eight years old and <laughs> nobody was policing nobody, it <laughs> nobody really cared it was like, also like the same parents that were like you know like just you know there were no child locks or like, <laughs> Things to keep you safe. My mom was like chain smoking in the car with all the windows up. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> different, different world. Oh wow! I mean, it's no surprise we all grew up to love Death Becomes Her. You could honestly, if yeah. you're going to the drive-in, if you played that movie twice, I'd be fine with we'd it. We'd stay. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, I mean, it's also like an unbelievably queer movie. So like, you get the gays have a special place in their hearts for that movie. Um, but it's just it's camp masterpiece you know like it's so good it's so so good that's kind I'm of like so a- out of time it's it was so like i remember when it came out i saw it when i i think i was in high school when it came out and i saw it three times in the theater and it was empty every time like nobody really saw that i didn't it was not a big hit and it kind of blows my mind which is people- crazy like the cast like, yeah. what is yeah. happening <laughs> how did people turn what down a meryl streep movie <laughs> goldie hawn oh, has meryl a hole in her stomach <laughs> All they, all you you had an hour and a half of Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn murdering each other over and over and over again. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyways, I love that movie. Yeah, I think that's like our stretch dream Halloween costume at this point. Like, I'll go out as drunk Bruce Willis. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be both Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw someone pull this shit off at a party, and it was mind-blowingly good how they did it. Like somebody, like two did, tablets, right? Yeah. They had well, they had like the you know they had the dress, and they put a mirror oh. on their stomach, and then they had a hand with the candelabra coming through the mirror, and it it looked like a hole in wow. the person. It was great. It was amazing. That's so awesome. good. Yeah. Do you have a Halloween costume planned out for this year? Like, oh, I know this man. is this is coming out like mid November, but like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do look. It's this like this year. It's a bit like my son got to choose. He's three. He's never seen Star Wars, but he loves it. Um, so like he watches some Lego Star Wars and stuff like that. So we he's Darth Vader because he's he always wants to be the bad guy and he's right because the bad guys are cool. Um, <laughs> and it's really funny because we've been you know I was watching like some of the Star Wars stuff and trying to sort of analyze why he wanted to be the bad guy and why didn't he want to be Luke. And then I was like, because the good guys are like kind of broke and <laughs> bad guys have all the money and they have these beautiful <laughs> ships and these. <laughs> costumes like of course um so yeah he's Darth Vader we're stormtroopers so you know we're there to serve him 
you know, do anything. <laughs> um, and that's and my and my my ten month old is Yoda. Oh, so, that's cute. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a baby Yoda. So. <laughs> very true. Well, thank you, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thank you again to Christopher Landon for taking the time to talk to us. Freaky is in theaters this Friday the 13th, November 2020. Let us know what you thought of the movie over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast and, uh, and, and the Horror Movie Fiend Club on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS. You can support the show at nofspodcast.com slash fiend club where you can also win yourself a cool Krampus shirt. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website at nofspodcast.com. And while you're at it, check out all of the other spine-tingling shows on the bloody, disgusting podcast network. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. Walkers, cyberpunks, gangsters, and so much more. Meet face-to-face with all kinds of monsters on AMC+. From The Walking Dead's Whisperer War to the world-saving quests of The Watch and the brutal brawls of Gangs of London, AMC Plus is more than entertaining. It's epic. Brace yourself for an all-new season of Creepshow and films like Train to Busan presents Peninsula, part of Shudder's Halfway to Halloween Month. Plus, catch brand new episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, Available ad-free and on demand. Start your free trial today at amcplus.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.